Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor in Focus podcast, where we will be discussing mental health in the workplace. Looking after your mental health has never been more important, yet as an industry, financial services has often struggled to fulfil this need. While advisors are very good at looking after their clients' well-being, they're perhaps not so adept at looking after their own. So how do advisors spot the warning signs of stress? And what can you do to de-stress? With me here to, to discuss this today are Sean Doherty, owner of the 555 Club, and Kerry Burgess, People Operations Director at First Wealth. Hello both. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. Um, hey, yeah. Hi. Uh, Sean, let's start with you. Uh, you used to be a financial advisor and have now moved into the wellbeing space, um, having founded the 555 Club. Why is looking after your mental health important? Great question. Um, I don't think that many people would tell you that it isn't important. Uh, for me personally, along with your physical health, it is the foundation that the castle is built on. It is the fuel and the engine of the car that lets you do the things you want to do, go the places you want to go, let you see the people you want to see, run the business you want to run, hit the targets you're trying to hit. You might be able to get a short burst towards those things and neglect your physical and your mental health. But if you do this over 10, 15, 20 years, which is what the game advisors are playing, it's a long-term game with long-term people. If you're letting your mental health and your physical health suffer, it's, it's, it, you're going to pay that tax eventually and it's, and it's not going to be a small one. Mm-hmm. And what would you say are the biggest stress factors in financial services that are affecting people's mental health? Yeah, another great question. Uh, I think it depends where you are in your career. If you're quite early on, it could be exams. It could be the pressures you're putting yourself to have been qualified by a certain stage. If you've recently moved into an advisor role, it could be building a client bank. It could be the money you're taking home every month. Right the way through to the other end, if you're looking at closing up your business, you're letting go of a bank of clients that you've got to know that have become friends, almost like family, over the last 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 years. And it's that, how do you transition through? And then all the time in between, you're also dealing with economic ups and downs. You're dealing with the emotional backstory of each client you deal with because it's not a rational game financial services it's about helping people to make the right decision usually at the wrong time when markets are down when things aren't good you have to help them make the right decision then and that's not a it's not a rational game so on top of all your business your personal your family you're then managing the emotions of your clients as well and it's 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 very difficult to look after all that and then just press the off button at half five and finish off and go back and play with your children or go back to your wife or your partner or your husband or whoever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same about looking after a team of 18 people, though. The stresses and the strains of, of and because and, I'm a bit of an empath as well. So taking all of that and soaking that up throughout the day. And then like Sean just said, that 5.30, 5 o'clock, whatever it is, switching the laptop off, it's, it, it can be very hard just to turn that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kerry, your job title seems to suggest that First Wealth, your advice firm, has a focus on people within the business. Um, so your job title is People Operations Director. Um, where do you think the industry has been failing to address mental health? 
if if that if you indeed think so. Um, I'm just trying to think where, where to start with this because there's been a number of factors really. If I think back to when I first started in the financial service profession, you know, I, I was one of very few females at that time in the profession. Um, thankfully, that's that's changed, and there's a lot more lot more females in the profession now. However, back then. I didn't feel that I was perhaps bringing my authentic self into the office place. And what I mean by that is you you went into meetings, you went into seminars, whatever. You didn't talk about the fact that you had children, you know, that you kind of left those things at the door. You came in almost impersonating to some degree your your male colleagues who, who wouldn't come in and talk about their children or you know, the washing machine had broken down or or anything that was going on outside of work. So I suppose that that was quite a challenge initially, um, is was trying to get that separation, really, between what was home, what was work, pushing forward with exams, pushing forward with the career, working my way up the career ladder. Um, And I think that that's something that has got a lot better now because we are promoting communication we're promoting our, our male colleagues to, to talk more about their family life, about getting that balance right. We see a lot more of our male colleagues now getting more involved in things like childcare or caring for, you know, elderly relatives. It doesn't, you know, it's not just the female um, counter, you know, colleagues that, that have that issue. So I think having open communication, having the flexible working, all of those things now are helping in the financial services profession to start allowing everybody to have more of that, you know, career when you and home life. But there isn't there. There's never clear boundaries, is there, when it comes to no, yeah. to home and work? So um, I think that that's something that is massively helping now. Now I um, have recently sat a HR diploma. Um, so although I've got, I'm fully qualified in the financial services level four diploma I moved on and did a HR diploma part of that was to to try and help more with health you know well-being um, making sure that as a business we supported our our employees um, and also in September I'm due to sit at the two-day national um, qual- a certificate in mental health training as well so to be become more of an advocate for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely that sounds uh, great and um, what, what do you think the biggest stress factors are in financial services that, that are affecting people's mental health advisors mental I, I think health. Sean hit the nail on the head it's most of it is down to workflow and about constantly being there so you know smartphones are fantastic things but when you're constantly on demand it's knowing where your boundaries are it's making sure that things like you know in the evenings and weekends you haven't got your notifications pinging up telling you that you've got something to do that your clients know that you're not available 24 7 um when i'm in doing focused work i make sure that you know i put things like emails and stuff like that to to one side i will only go into my inbox a couple of times throughout the day to tackle that area otherwise it is more focused work that um, i concentrate on the other time so i suppose it would be having your boundaries making sure that you haven't constantly got those demands pinging up and taking enough downtime as well and making sure that uh, for me it is removing technology from being in front of me, that's when I can then truly let myself relax. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Um, Now, of course, advisors may not be aware that they're stressing themselves out. Um, And mental health, I guess, is still somewhat a taboo issue for some um, in financial services, particularly. Um, 
Sean, how can you spot as an advisor that you've been neglecting your mental health? What, what are the early warning signs? If you're spotting the early warning signs, I think you're you're far ahead of the curve. And just to add something onto what Kerry said as well, uh, something I have seen regularly that causes quite a lot of stress is the advisor taking the identity of, say, the, the funds they have picked or the manager they're with. So in the good times, it has been their, you know, their doing. But that means when the market turns, which it will invariably do every couple of months, every couple of years, every couple of decades, they then believe that that is an, that if they take it as a personal thing when the market moves. So it's riding the highs, it's all them when it's up, and then it's taking that really personally when it's all down. When in reality, the market's going to do what the market's going to do, then your job is to stop people making irrational decisions at both sides of that um, and, and not letting it affect who you are as a person. Because as a person, you're a 10 out of a 10 every time. Um, you know, you might have bad days as an advisor. You might have a 7 or a 6 or a 5. But when you go home at night, you're still a 10 out of a 10 as a, you know, as a human being. And it's removing that role bleed where you think your performance as an advisor, you think the performance of the funds affects who you are as a person. And that, it's not easy to do. It's very challenging, but it's it's something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And would you say that this is one of and the this is one of the warning signs? Is is that the kind of um most common kind of issue or no, 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 no. I, I wouldn't say that's a common issue. That that was more to dovetail on what, what Kerry had said. Um, for me personally, when I noticed uh, when things started getting very busy for very long periods of time and you're finding that you're going from client to client to client and then you're not giving yourself any space to decompress, you're not giving yourself any space to come up for air. And again, you've got phones, you've got email, you've got staff either underneath you or above you, asking for reports. Depending where you work, you might have targets to hit, you might have deadlines to hit financials on. I was very fortunate where I worked, that wasn't the case. Um, but all these little things, they're all, you know, the reason the saying, the straw that broke the camel's back is a saying. All those straws added on eventually will break the camel's back. And it's... It's going to be individual for each person. For me, when I start getting irritated and snappy, which isn't who I am, or at least I like to think it isn't who I am. So once I start being short with someone or being being quite uh, almost rude, for me, that's okay. There's other things I need to address. I need to look at my workload. I need to look at my sleep. I need to look at, you know, am I exercising? Because that's the first tell for me. But that tell is going to present differently for every single person. And it's about knowing, you know, it's, and it was Socrates said, "Know thyself," or one of those one of those people way smarter than I. So it's about knowing yourself, knowing your triggers, and knowing whenever you need to take time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kerry, what, what do you think? What, what's what's kind of first wealth looking out for in the workplace? So, in terms of stress levels. Well, yeah, it's you know if you think of a couple, most uh, financial services um, firms, they they're 
their one-to-one consists of looking at targets and how an advisor is doing towards business written and things like that. But at our firm, we actually meet with each of our advisors one-to-one each month as a well-being chat. And it's more just a case of how are you doing? What's going on? You know, what what's is there anything that I can help you with? Well, let's just have a chat. You know, it really is um, about looking after people's mental well-being as much as, as making sure that, you know, we remain profitable and the business is doing business. Um, but I think the, the telltale signs for me of when an advisor is struggling within the business, it would be common things like um, making mistakes. Um, and I don't mean, you know, huge, massive, gaping mistakes, but it could be things, just just little things. It could be forgetting to do something. Um, and things like, so yeah, that would be standards uh, slipping, but increased bouts of illness as well, maybe time off, Um People don't want to admit to weakness. They, and that's the thing about mental health is most people wait until they've got to that brick wall where they're about to, to, to fall over, that they actually then feel that they can stand up and, and, and talk about it. Whereas the, with these one-to-ones that we have with each of our advisors each month, it is more about catching those telltale signs and picking up when something's not right sooner so that we can do something about it. Um and I think that that's something that we do incredibly well. Just picking up on what Sean was saying about the um, advisors, you know, soaking up how the market movements are and and then therefore reacting to how they feel about how their clients are going to react to that. That's something that we do incredibly well at First Wealth. And that is the fact that we educate our clients in in knowing that those peaks and troughs are going to happen. And you've got to ride those out. You know, it's about behavioural finance, you know, not selling at the at the lows, buying back at the highs, about riding those waves out. And we can actually show the clients that through looking at the indexes that over time the assets will go up, you know, regardless. So we don't look at short-term investing. It is longer-term investing. And I think because of that... When things like um, COVID happened and we ended up closing the office, one of the first things we did was we jumped on the telephone to every single client and made sure that they were okay and reminded them that what they'd signed up to was that this is for the longer term and you're going to see the peaks and troughs. Now, we've seen a bigger dip since then, you know, over the last couple of months in the markets, but the reaction from our clients has been positive because we had coached them and educated them into expecting that. And I think that that's something that therefore that element, I wouldn't suggest, affects the advisors within our, within our firms. Um, I would say that it is more about making sure that that we get that right balance of career and work as well mm-hmm. across any role within the business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great. Well, Sean... Um, coming back to you, when you left financial advice, um, you set up uh, the Five 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 Club. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and about the the kind of practice, de-stressing practice you've developed? Uh, yes, certainly. It's I always preface this with saying there's nothing complicated here, and it, it's a you know it, it's a very small element. Like all these things, it's um, you'll read about cold exposure and you read about supplements and like everything it's, it's just a little piece you're looking to add tools to your toolbox that you can use as and when you need it either building resilience on the way up or having that bank of resilience so when you come on the way down you can lean back on it and um, the 555 club it's three modalities that happen throughout the day so it's five minutes of breath work which is designed to get you out of your head into your body settle you into this moment it's five minutes of meditation and almost reluctant to use the word meditation because it's that basic pure premise behind it is looking to get you back into this moment 
The mind is designed to run away, to plan. It's to organize every eventuality, every disaster to every scenario that has never happened because it thinks it's keeping you safe. That's what your mind does. That's how we survived as a species. You know, keep all the predators away by planning everything. However, the only moment that we have, the only moment we can fully experience, the only moment you can move the needle on your business, on your health, on anything, is this moment we're in now. It's two minutes past 10 on a Tuesday morning. This is the only moment I have. This is the only moment you have. And the more you can come back to presence in this moment and actually either address what needs to be done or give yourself that space to just sit in the silence or to rest. How many times are you writing an essay in the shower or you're thinking of something driving to work? And what you're doing is you're diluting each activity you're in. So through that small five minutes, it's about can you bring yourself back? Can you just come back to this moment? And over time, like this is the 555 Club is now running since October. And with regular people on, that's the one thing they've said they found is it's just being aware that you're thinking. So many times you get in that thought loop of the market's down, my clients are going to leave me, the business is going to go, I haven't hit my target, and you're 50 layers deep and you don't even realize you're doing it. But if you, if you can become aware, oh, okay, hold on, I'm thinking. And then come back to this moment. And it might, it might happen again 30 seconds later. I'm thinking again, come back to this moment. And that's what the five minutes of meditation is just about building that awareness of when you're thinking and allowing yourself to come back to where your power is, which is right here. And then it finishes with five minutes of gratitude journaling. I encourage people to buy their own journal, a separate journal. And it's simply a few moments to put down what can you reflect on that is either going good or it might even, you know, going good might be the wrong term, but some of the things that are happening in your life that there's gratitude for. Mm -hmm. Like at 24, I was diagnosed with cancer. At 30, I started working again. At the time, there wasn't much gratitude for that. I was a civil engineer uh, working in London. I had to move back to rural Ireland to my parents. But the path I was on, that path led me to me meeting my wife, meeting some of my closest friends. It has led me you know, to financial services. It has led me then to the 555 Club and ultimately led me to this conversation today. So the gratitude, you know, it, 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 it's not always easy to see it, but if you can take the time and sit with a pen and paper, and it's very powerful to sit at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year, and to look back on the different things that you were grateful for. Yes, absolutely. And thanks for sharing your story with us. Um, so, would would advise? How would advisors apply this? Would they would they do this every day? Would they would they do it every day at the same time? What's the best kind of practice to implement um, a strategy like this? The the five 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 it, it it runs five times a day. All calls are live. Always with really ninety percent will be with me. The other ten percent there's a great team that allow me to take a day off here and there. Um, I would say people adhere to strict schedules, but what I might see people drop in as and when it suits them. Sometimes the mornings are really busy. Sometimes the afternoon is really busy. The times are spread throughout the day to give people a window that it's 15 minutes. Can they get it in their calendar and give themselves that space to reset, to check in with the body again? Um, what I say to people, it's what you need. it's what you need to take from it, not what I'm trying to give you. So if you simply want to turn up if you've had a shit day and you're looking for some headspace, there's, there's no 
if there's an accountant in Scotland and if I see him at the quarter to five one, I know he's had a rough day. If I see him in the morning, that's fine. But I know that it's just closing out the day, mentally putting the laptop down and then he's off home. Mm-hmm. Like, like most things, it's what you can take from it, not, not what someone's trying to give you. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess this is the um, almost hardest lesson to learn for people who are constantly, you know, at it, constantly at work, isn't it? Constantly caring for other people, their clients. Um, Carrie, is this something that you can see your advisors take up? Um, I think to some degree, yeah. So I'm a massive advocate of, of journaling myself. You know, I always sit there and reflect back on my achievements, what I want to, you know, like you've just said, Sean, the stresses and things like that in life because it's your way of offloading. Um, I've also got a vision board that keeps me on track of the things that I want to achieve in my career and in my personal life as well. Um I think that for, so my perspective is I'm I'm ops I'm ops driven I've done you know most of my my roles have been ops based for years so a lot of that is about I know Sean said about structure it is about building that structure it is about having those boundaries knowing what you're prepared to give knowing you know when at certain times of the day you know to some degree what you're actually you know going to be doing and as I said to you before turning off the email notifications making sure that you're trying to do things at certain points throughout the day to try and contain activities so that they don't then merge into to the rest of your day how many times have you sat there and you've you've started your inbox at the start of the day and at lunchtime you're still sitting there firefighting through a load of rubbish for want of a better word um you know and I think for me it's about teaching those those good habits you know the do delete do delete delegate strategy um I don't know if you've ever heard of productivity ninja um Mm. I did one of their courses years and years ago and it was very much about treating your inbox as if it's an inbox in tray on your desk you know try and always keep it empty so I have a waiting folder I have a doing folder and things like that so I I do I am a bit anal I try and have that structure there and I try and to encourage other people's busy mind busy head that leads to more stress um what, what Sean said about the you know the club where they've got somewhere where people can go and have that de-stress. For me, I, I use an app called Clementine. Um, Kim Palmer, she created uh, created Clementine. And for me, there's a couple of 10, 15-minute short um, podcasts, for want of a better word, that I would sit on the train, listen to that. And there's one that is called, I think it's it's been a long day. And that would be my kind of wind down between I've been in the office, I've been on high alert, I'm now going home and I've got to go home and cook the, you know, cook the kids dinner, walk the dog, put the washing machine on and those things. So it, it was my, the work me's finished, the home me now needs to be switched on. And that was how I, I managed to transition between the two. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Thanks. Um, Sean, um, we're almost out of time, but have you got any parting messages for advisors that might be listening to us, listening to this and think, you know, and, and realising maybe for the first time that actually, yeah. They are a little bit more stressed maybe than they should be and they, they might want to, you know, um, think about um, turning their attention to their kind of mental well-being. Uh, yeah, the, the first thing that came to my mind was to be gentle with yourself, um, especially in a target-driven industry where it's money targets goals and then keeping all your clients happy on top of that it's very easy to be harsh on yourself and to continually beat yourself up about not being where you think you should be. Uh, Should is a very dangerous word. Um, If you're thinking of exploring this, uh, starting to look after yourself, you know, you don't even have to join the 555 club. There's a 
ton of resources on YouTube. There's a ton of, you know, the first thing I would say is go for a walk with no headphones or anything. Just go and let your thoughts run rampant. Take yourself 20 minutes on a walk. If you can do that every day, that's an incredible start. Um, and the fact that you're aware that you want to start doing this or you're aware that you're stressed puts you ahead of 98% of people because so many people just don't realize how tightly strung they are. I, occasionally, I will drop into businesses with a 555 club and without fail, every single time in the chat box is, I didn't know how much I needed that. Mm. Mm-hmm. It has I- never not come up. So people, people don't realize that they're just balls of tension. Even now, can you soften your shoulders a little bit, whatever way you're sitting? You know, I, I'm not able to see you through the speaker, but like are, you hold, like, are you able to relax your hands a bit, your legs a bit? We just sit with so much tension in our bodies all the time. And then add in market crashes, add in deadlines, add in family stress, relationship stress, money stress. On top of all that, and then tell someone to take 10 minutes to meditate. It's, you know, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. But be gentle with yourself and acknowledge the work you've done and, and what you're doing. Yeah. I agree with you, Sean. I think definitely it's it's technology can be our biggest friend, but it can also be our biggest enemy as well, isn't it? And it's taking ourselves away from that. And like you just said, it's that looking up and seeing what else is going on around you, whether that is going for a walk. I love swimming. And part of that is about releasing the tension in your shoulders because majority of the time we're sat at a desk, we're slumped over a laptop or whatever. So for me, definitely a technology detox is the best way to go. Absolutely. Thanks for that. And thank you very much for coming on to the podcast today. Um, I hope our listeners have found this useful. And and I guess if it helps one person, that's um, already a big achievement. Um, Thank you. And thanks for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.